There's a lot of people that are concerned about the days ahead. What do they hold and how will it be? Well, I'm going to ask you, how will it be? I've already given you my word. I've already told you what to do. You walk with me and I'll lead you and guide you through every circumstance and every situation. But the key, I told you, is you keep your eyes on me. Will there be tough times? There will. Do you have a big God? You do. I am not shocked by what I see and you should not be shocked by what you see either. Follow me, obey me, and you'll look back and you'll see everything went fine. I am calling my church out of the world. I'm letting them know that the world does not have the answers they need. They cannot take care of you. They're not your answer. They're not God. I am. And I'm calling my church out of the world and separate themselves from it. And then I'm going to raise my church up and I'm going to show the world that I am God. And I'm going to do it through my church. I will use you in these last days. You will see and hear things only you have read before now in the Bible and heard. And even through your own hands, you will see the glory of God. So rejoice and be glad. Do not walk around and be sad. Your best days are ahead, says the Spirit of God. Let's just give him glory. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. Hallelujah. Father, it's always good to hear from heaven. It's always good to hear your voice. It's always good to know what's going on and what you have to say. Right now, people are wanting to know what's Trump saying. I want to know what you're saying. I know you got it. I know you're good. I know it'll be okay. Papa God, thank you. Amen. 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 Well, get your Bibles out and go to 1 John. I got to tell you a little story about my sermon before I get started. I was watching Mark and Trina on their Bible school online the week before they came. Mark was preaching on love. Now, I make a mistake. It's not really a mistake. I'm being facetious. I always ask God, what is it you want me to do? I want to know what God wants me to do. I don't want to preach to you to change when I don't. Thank y'all for y'all's enthusiasm. Y'all are wonderful. And I'm watching Mark, and Mark's preaching on love. And when he got finished, I think I said something to Lisa, and I said, I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> listen to one statement. I'm going to make a statement. I want you to listen to this. You will never find truth you're not looking for. You will not stumble on truth. You will dig it up, or you will never find it. And the things that I'm finding out from God is because I'm looking for them. I am digging. 
So I'm sitting there listening to Mark, and he got through preaching on love, and I prayed, and I said, God, have him preach that when he comes. When he came, he got up and started preaching on love, and I looked up to God, and I went, touche, let's go. I didn't do that just because I thought y'all needed to be nicer. We all need to be nicer. Faith works by love. The lid on your life is there because of your love walk. If you want the lid off, you're going to have to change your love walk. Now, if making that statement that we all have hindrances, we all have them. Love is not easy. If it is, everybody be doing it. The opposite of love is not hate. It's selfishness. And every one of us deal with flesh, and we all have a certain element of selfishness about us where we preserve ourselves. Now, if you're going to walk with God, you're going to walk in love. If you're going to get your prayers answered, you're going to walk in love. That's why the Bible says love suffers long. If you're going to obey God, your flesh is going to suffer. Thank you. That's why nobody gets excited. I got one come on. I got to come on. I got one come on. I got a. I got two come on. I got to clap. I, I got to clap. People just don't get excited when you start talking about patience and kindness and and yeah, yeah. It's just. So, so we are going to talk about love, but I want you to understand this. One of the most beneficial things you'll ever do in your life is study love for yourself. It, the most selfish thing you'll ever do is to stop being selfish. Think about that a week or two. You're like, I don't think I got it. Well, just go home and ask your spouse. They'll tell you to. Go to 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. So I'm going to spend some time talking about agape love, and I promise you, You'll enjoy it. If not, your spouse will. Your children will. Your neighbors will. Somebody will enjoy it. Somebody will walk along and say, hmm, they have changed. I love it. They, or they go to church. I also want to do something, if you all to do it with me. Every church in the community has a brand. What are they known for? Let's be known as the lovingest group of people in town. Is that a good idea? I like that. I mean, I mean, we, I, I mean, I don't. I, we, I like to run aisles and jump pews, but that's not what I want to be known for. I like being known for being the best pastor in the planet. But I think there's a higher. Thank you, Megan. I love you. Let me give you. I'm gonna double your pay right now. Just double it. All right. No, there's a lot of things we could be known for. But what's wrong with being known as very loving? T.L. Osborne said this. Kenneth e. Hagen was the most loving man he ever met. And he was really known more for his love walk than he was his teaching on faith. And he even attributed the fact that he hadn't had a headache since 1965 to his love walk, not his faith walk. So how many of y'all would like to learn a little bit more about it? I I would. So I, I started studying it and I studied it so much I didn't have a sermon. So I'm just going to preach to you what I've been learning. Is that fair? And I'm learning a lot. It's really, really neat to find out what the Bible actually says about the subject. Since it's a commandment, and we're supposed to be doing it. 
novel idea. Okay, 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. Underline because. Had God not loved you and I, we wouldn't love. Had not God been merciful to us who deserved no mercy, we would have no mercy. And that's the truth. He didn't say, do what I say. He said, do what I do. He not only said it, but he showed us how it's done. And even though God is a judge, God is a righteous God, God demands perfection, he also loved us in that. He said, you owe a big debt, I'll pay it. And he did it for us. And then the only thing he ever asked us, now he did it to get a response. Now, Mark Hankins in his book makes this statement. He says, a mother smiles her child into smiling, or you laugh your child into laughing. God loves us into loving. Now, many of us could talk, and I could I could take off on a certain just take off on a tangent right now and start talking about the day I met him. And let me tell you something, I didn't deserve anything that happened to me that day. Born again, I didn't deserve it. Healed by the power of God, didn't deserve it. Got my sins forgiven, didn't deserve a bit. Went to the crusade cussing God, came home praying in the Holy Ghost, being full of the Holy Ghost, didn't deserve a bit of it. God was good to me because he's good. And I fell in love with him him because he loved me and I had never been loved like that before. So God is looking not only for us to love him back, but now the second part of that, what about loving one another? Especially since we know each other good enough to know nobody we know deserves it. (laughs) Thank y'all. I mean, you know, when we start talking about all the other people, we're like, that person's a nut, man. They're all, they're, they're a little bit fruity, man. They're, they're like a granola candy bar, fruits and nuts and flakes. So we've all got this attitude about everybody else without realizing that you don't have anything that you didn't receive from God. Now, he, now we love because he loved us. And it's the only criteria. You can't change it. Because you and I never deserved what he went through. I I was watching someone the other day talking about what happened on the cross. We saw the passion of the Christ. Let me make a statement to you. Nothing you saw was even close to how bad it was. When God made Jesus to be sin, the book of Isaiah says he was so deformed you couldn't tell he was a human And he took it for you. That's a lot of love. I call God, he's a hunk of hunk of burning love. And so we know God loves us. We know God loves the world. Now he's asked us to respond in like manner. Now, you will never major on something. You don't major on it on purpose. For me, I'm just going to talk about me. I've never made agape love primary. I've always had it in my life. I've always worked on it, but I've never made it number one until a week and a half, two weeks ago. I'm talking about number one because the Lord said this to me and Mark said it. You will never do anything unless you're willing to practice. 
That's just how there is to it. Now, you know, we got some boys in here that play basketball, you know. Um, where are the basketball players? You can tell them. I mean, my God, they walk by and you have to look up at them when they walk by and you go. And they will tell you, you never get good at free shots if you don't stand there and shoot ball after ball after ball. And these guys, and I love to watch a good basketball game. I mean, there's something, it's like, a, it's like they're dancing. I mean, they're coming down the thing, that ball going all over the place. And then they just kind of run up and, and put it in there. And they pretend like they ain't put it in there. And they put it and they just, it looks easy. And then I go out and go, that, that didn't even go in. And I'm standing on a platform in front of it, you know, in the ball, you know. Get a ladder and climb up there and put that ball in there, you know. But they have to practice, oh, you'll never be any good. If you and I, just hold, just hold on to your heart, right? Just, if we're not willing to practice it, you're never going to get any good at this. You're, you've got to go, okay? You've got to know what it is, and then you've got to make a determination. And I will promise you this. This is a promise. I, I, someone will give you the opportunity this week to walk in love. <laughs> I mean, it might be before you get out of church today. It just might be. And so, you know, um, so, so we love him because he first loved him. Let's, let's look at 410, 1 John 4.10. And this is love, not that we loved God, that he loved us, he sent his son to be the propitiation. That is the Greek word mercy seat, mercy. Beloved, if God had mercy on us, I'm, I'm changing the word, loved us, we ought to have mercy on each other. We ought to be more merciful than we are. Okay, let's look at another one. Uh, well, just pop it on the screen, John 13, 34. A new commandment. Now, let's, let's ask a question. If this is a commandment, why are we not paying more attention? Oh, really? I mean, honest to God, I'm the pastor of the church. I will tell you, I had to look in the concordance where I could find this scripture. Don't shout me down. It ought to be the major in my Bible, and it's never been the major in my Bible. And I thought, you know what? I think it better start being the major. I better find these scriptures and start paying attention to them. Amen. And, and the Lord began to show me I'm hindering him. He would like to do more with me than he's able to. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. It's a hard question. Every one of you that are parents, you love your children all the same, don't you? Do you treat them all the same? No. Okay, I'll come over here. I have five kids. I don't treat them all the same. Sometimes they hinder me. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, I got some of them, and I won't mention names, that are just kind and loving and sweet. And, and then I have others that just a little bit on the time, just I'm going to work on my love walk with you for a few minutes. So God is the same with us. A lot of times we're praying and asking God to do it. Really, we're the ones holding the key to whether he takes us further. And I want him 
to take me where I have not been. I want him to do more with me than he's ever done. And if I'm hindering it, let me fix that. I want to fix that. If this is primary, then I'm going to hang on primary and make primary number one. And I asked Mark, I said, how long does it take? He said, for me, he said, for you, he said, about 20 years. I went, well, amen. I just didn't argue with him. But I will tell you this, hanging around Mark, Mark and Trina, Mark is a man's man. But yet he has been working on his love walk. I can tell by hanging around him, he's very people-minded. When he comes here, I'm just going to brag on him for a minute. Lisa and I have had talks about him and Trina. They are in a different church every week. And he always treats the pastors very good. Not just, he's not like, man, I'm tired, I'm wore out, take me to the hotel. I'm not, no, he's not like that at all. I mean, he actually takes the time, goes out to eat, um, treats you like you're, you're really important. And I'm looking at that going, that's quite a guy. Now, it's, it's, it's nice to see someone mentor love. Now, he's not perfect. Don't expect him to be. Don't expect you to be. Don't expect me to be. I won't be. But yet, we can be better than we are. We can do better than we're doing. All of us can, right? All right. No, I, I appreciate that, all that. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Go to 1 Corinthians 13, and let's start. You thought I'd already begun, didn't you? So guess what I'm preaching on next Sunday? Yeah, you got it. Don't, don't stay home. I already know all that. I'm going to send you the CD. 1 Corinthians 13. Now let, let's go down this, this list. And every Baptist is excited we're reading this. All the Baptists said Amen. You know, why do I say that? I say, why do I call y'all Baptist? You know what a charismatic church is? It is Baptist, Episcopalians, Catholics, Methodists, and heathens in a building who speak in tongues. I mean, we just came from everywhere. We're not really a denomination. We're just kind of a little bit of everything. And I'm trying to make you feel at home. The reason I say that jokingly is because I have Baptist friends that when I got born again and I started talking to them about tongues, they'd always say, you need to work on your love walk. <laughs> and, and they're right. They're right. Let's start off. 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels. Do we talk about tongues in this church? Yes, we do. And have not love I've become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Let me speak, let me, let me read it in, a, in good old American English. If you talk in tongues and you run aisles and you jump pews and you get drunk in the Holy Ghost and you're mean, you're just a noise. <laughs> Come on, don't shout me down. It's absolutely possible for you to have all of the Holy Ghost and all of the things that we esteem important. I esteem a move of God as very important. I know churches where it don't happen at all. I mean, we're probably one of the last surviving churches that even believes in tongues and interpretation and prophecy in the church on Sunday morning. Yeah, wow. 
Don't shout me down. I mean, I know places where if you want the Holy Ghost, they'll send you to the back room. We have him. That's that third God guy. <laughs> he's a bird. We got him back there in the back. We don't let him out much because we don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> yeah, he'll mess up your religious service in a nanosecond. Have you dancing in the Holy Ghost and looking like a chicken with your head cut off. Amen. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, don't have love, I'm a noise. Though I have the gift, now look at this one, the gift of prophecy, and understand how many mysteries? All, All mysteries. How much knowledge? All knowledge and all faith. Now think, now think about this for a minute because one of the things that we esteem highly, I do, knowledge. What if you were on the docket and Andrew Walmack, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen, and TBN is calling you because they want you on their program because you have all knowledge. Pretty big. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal, wouldn't it be? And if you have no love, he said you're a big zero. Now I'm thinking to myself, I think knowledge is pretty important. I hate ignorance and I hate stupid. You can't fix stupid. I've already tried. I know you can't do it. But I place a very high priority on preaching correctly the truth nothing but the truth so help me God I place a high priority on faith and the and the gifts of the spirit and the and the word of God and authority of the believer and make sure that when you come here you're getting the word but he just got through saying if you're the best preacher in the planet and you're hard and you're ugly you're just big zero and I'm going I think I better study this a little bit more. He's not saying don't believe in those things. He's saying shift your priorities. Let's go on down. No, no, no. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and I give even my body to be burned, and I have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, let me make a statement about money. You might say, well, I'm the biggest giver in the church. Well, you might be. And let's say you paid the building off by yourself. But if you're ugly, it, 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 all of your giving is, it means nothing to God. That's a powerful statement. That's a powerful piece of scripture right there. And so I, that's where I started and I went, I have a lot of work to do. Because there's nothing worse than a mean person full of knowledge. That's true. Or a person full of knowledge who's just hard to get along with, especially if they're a big pouting baby. Thank y'all. We'll talk about pouting in a minute. <laughs> Go to Luke 15. Say, let's get started. Now, this is the, this is the, the story I've been reading all week to me. And I got to, we got to talk, we got to go, see, I'm going to go back on and we got to go, see, I'm one of these people that's very, what does the word say? So there's one big fallacy in this story is that it's always called the story of the prodigal son. 
That's completely wrong. Let's read the first part. And he said, a certain man had two sons. The story is not about the prodigal. The story is about both of them. And it's actually more about the second one than the first. All right. Now I'm going to read why that is. No, you don't have to go there, but I'm going to read why that is true. Jesus at, at 15.1 says, And all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him, and the Pharisees and scribes complained, This man eats with sinners. Yeah. Jesus is not telling the story about the prodigal who is in sin. He's telling the story about the hypocrite who thinks he's better than everybody because the sinner knows he's a sinner, but the Pharisee doesn't know he's a sinner. Now, I said this the other day, and and it bears repeating, so just hold on. God hates self-righteous more than he hates unrighteous. He'd rather you smoke dope than for you to think you're better than everybody else. Yep. That's a good place to dance in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) So the story is about a man with two sons. Let's start. A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. He's not supposed to do this till he dies. What a rude kid. I know you're going to die at old man. I know you're going to kick the bucket. And I want my money now. Look at what it says. Pay attention. And he divided to them, say them. Who got their money? They both got the money. Not just the boy. Both of them got the money. The older boy got the money. Younger boy got the money. Dad gave it to both of them. All right. Not many days after that, the younger gathered together, journeyed to a far country where he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. The word prodigal means wasteful. Now, let's talk about this for a moment, and why is this bad? Because anybody who's a businessman or anybody that's ever worked for a living knows there's only one place money comes from, and that's work. But see, dad's been working. The boy has not. The dad understands the value of the dollar. The boy doesn't even understand the value of a dollar bill. Now, we have a lot of young people today that are on a get-rich-quick scheme. Get off of it. There ain't no such thing. You see, when God made the garden, there was no car there. There was no road. There was no house. God put iron ore here. You want a car? Make one. You want a boat? Build one. You want a horse and buggy? There's a tree. God wants you and I to produce. But see, there's people who believe they're not supposed to produce. So what happens when you have a generation that has no idea what it costs you to get here? They, they weigh, they're wasteful with money. Now, see, I'm going to tell you something I believe. Y'all don't throw anything at me. If I had a million dollars, I still wouldn't give it to my kids. I want you to learn 
what it takes to make money. I'm not saying I'd be a tightwad. I'm not saying I would treat you. I'm just telling you, you need to learn what it's like. See, if, if you went to, if you got to graduate from high school and you went to college, you're an educated. I'm, I'm, I'm working on my love walk right now. Um, what's Greek for idiot? Um, ignorant person. You, you, you still don't know how to make money. It would be better if you worked your way through school and no one needs to pay it off for you. Right. And my God, the government doesn't know you anything. Woo! I feel the Holy Ghost all over. <laughs> uh, I want somebody to say amen, Pastor. Amen. Stretch your hand out to him and say, You're doing good. All right, good, because I'm starting to feel a little bit like. And when he spent all, and you're going to, because if you ain't making it, it's going to come to an end. There arose a famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And when he had joined himself to a citizen of that country, let me, let me help you with sin. The wages of sin is what? You will never sin your way to joy. Now, I got a word for the girls, young ladies, so listen to me. I'm going to shack up with this guy. And then someday he's going to change and become a prince and marry me. No, he won't. Why would he pay for what he's getting free? If he's an idiot now, he'll be an idiot then. You're not going to send your way to joy. Well, I can't afford to leave. You better. Well, I'll, I'll starve to death. Let me ask you a question. Is God big enough to pay your bills? He will not start until you get right. I'm believing God. No, you're not. Not until you say, you are Lord. Now, we need to go down this road, but not this morning. God is the one that tests you. You do not test him. That's good. That's good. Well, I'm going to be in this relationship until I get my life worked out. <laughs> it will get worse. And it'll get worse. And you will finally find yourself in a pigsty. Ask me how I know. How do you know? How you know? How did you know? Oh, uh, you told me about it. <laughs> same, I found it the same way. Did you? Ever, <laughs> I love to hear Zach tell, y'all got to hear him give his testimony. He actually used to come to church stoned. <laughs> well, wait, after. After. Yeah, I didn't go before. You, oh, you didn't get stoned before you got stoned after. After, after church. After. <laughs> but he came. <laughs> and there came a day when God went. Zach, I want you. Yeah. I ain't fixing nothing in your life till you get it right. Can I give you all a scripture? I'm going to anyway. Say amen. amen. This needs to be preached from the housetops and the mountaintops, everywhere, other kind of top. It's a scripture you don't hear many people preach on. 
Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit is a man to gain the world and lose his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? You're, you're not going to send your way to victory. Cut sin out. Come to God and let him fix it. You know, that time I told you the story about I, I was praying for money and God said, you call me a liar. I was calling him a liar. Because he already told me how to get out of debt was to give. And I told him he was crazy. How can broke people give? He did not change for me. He said, you get with my program or I'm not talk, don't talk to me about money. When I changed and I repented and I got a hold of his program, I got out of debt. He helped me when I changed. You're, you're not ever going to have a good life until Jesus is Lord. Well, that needs to be preached all over this nation. You're not going to live in church, hanging around, sleeping around, smoking dope, drinking beer, and coming here and ask God to bless you with your life. Find an altar. And when you come out of it, Jesus is the Lord of your life, and let the pieces fall where they may. God has a plan, and he'll bring it to pass when you quit trying to be God. That's good preaching. Now, I'm saying that because how many people I watch coming in here, looking at their life, it's falling apart, and you're trying to get God to bless your mess. He will never bless your mess. He will let you hit the wall, and the sooner, the better. And quit giving your relatives money. If they're not living right, let them belly up. If you love me, give me money. If you love me, obey God. Don't empower people. Thank you. I mean, I'm not, this is not my sermon. I ain't even got to my sermon yet. Okay. And when he was joined himself to a citizen in that country, and he sent him to the fields to feed swine, and he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods, and no one gave him anything. Let me, let's, let's do one more thing. If you're not living for God and your friends are sinners, they don't care about you. I don't have any friends. No, you don't. They are in for number one, and they're not. The minute you go under, they will walk. The boy you're living with, he will walk. The girl you're living with, she will walk. Your friends will leave you. And you'll find yourself alone. Yeah. And then you'll remember that the only person that ever cared about you was back at home. And when he came to himself, he said, voila. My father's hired servants at least have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. Now listen to what he's about to do because he's about to go humble. He's about to make a statement, I don't 
deserve mercy. I left the house. I chewed the old man out. I told him to take a long hike off a short pier. I took his money, and now I need to go home. And I'm going to eat crow. But I'd rather eat crow than to stay in the mess I'm in. So he's coming up with this speech, and it's a good one. I'm not worthy to be called your son. At the very bottom, at least let me be a hired servant because they've got it better than I do right now. My life has not produced what I wanted. Now he's got this list. Many of us came to God with that same list. Just, I just, just make sure I go to heaven when I leave this hell hole. <laughs> now listen to what happened to him and you're going to love it. I'll arise, I'm going to go to my father, I'm going to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven. He's rehearsing his speech. I'm no longer to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He arose and came to his father. And when he was a great way off, his father saw him. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. How do you see a son afar off? You're looking for him. Every day this man woke up and looked out the window and went, is this the day he'll come home? Because God can't make you live right. But he is looking for you to come back. And he says that when it was a long ways off, he looked up and saw the boy coming down the road. He goes, my son's coming home. See, God loves us. God loves the world. Let's talk about sin for a minute. I had a man make a statement to me the other day. And he says, I was trying to explain to a person. Don't explain God. You turn on the news right now. I want you to listen to the news. Pro-homosexual, pro-transgender, and scream at somebody committing adultery. Can you spell the word hypocrite? You see, every sinner has accused someone of lying, which means they know it's wrong. Every sinner has accused people of the very thing they do. Well, you just looked at him. You just, you have been unfaithful to me. See, and yet you've been unfaithful. You've lied. You have stolen. It's, it's hypocrisy to watch what's happening in Washington. The most wicked, corrupt people on the planet blaming people for what they do. Someone said Texas wants to secede from the Union. I think we ought to cut Washington, D.C. off and shove it out in the ocean. Don't put a fence around it. Put a moat around it. Fill it full of alligators. Don't ever let them back out again. Never mind. That's, I shouldn't have gone political on you. <laughs> but see, even a sinner knows. See, sinners know they know they're wrong. They just don't want God ruling them. That's the real issue. You and I have to make a decision right now who's going to be Lord of your life, you or him. And that's the real issue, isn't it? So anyway, he's a long ways off. 
And when he arose, he came to his father. When he was a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, which is the Greek word mercy, and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said, he went through his speech, Father, I've been planning this speech all week long. I'm not worthy to be Saul, your son. I took your money. I said some things I shouldn't have said. I know I left home wrong. I mean, can I at least just come back and be a servant? I am not worthy to be your son. And the father said to the servant, he's ignoring him. Find the best robe. Find the ring. Find the sandals. Kill the fatted calf. This son of mine that was dead is alive and he is back home and he had mercy on him. Now remember this whole story is not about this son. This story is talking about the fact that Jesus came to call sinners to repentance and the Pharisees are accusing him of being a friend of sinners. But what are the Pharisees? They're actually the worst sinners of them all. Because if you're a sinner and you know it, that's good. But if you're a sinner and don't know it, that's not good. So anyway, the boy gets a welcome. He wasn't ready. I, 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 I don't have time. I was not ready for the love of God. I was not ready. My mother took me to the crusade and God healed me. I didn't deserve to be healed. And he forgave me. I didn't deserve to be forgiven. And he saved me. I didn't deserve to be for, And I got home and the Holy Ghost got on. I didn't deserve. I didn't deserve it. And he got me a job and he got me out of debt and... and and I'm, I'm overwhelmed by his compassion and his mercy. And I'm thinking, he apparently doesn't know me very well. <laughs> and he didn't do it because I was good. He did it because he's good. Yes. And I told him, I says, one day you'll wake up and find out I'm not all that good. And he ain't woke up yet. <laughs> but God is a God of mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I don't have time today, and I want to come back here another Sunday. People need mercy. People gravitate to kindness. Stop waiting on people to deserve you. I mean, the uglier they are, Lisa and I have a term around our house, and don't, don't, don't throw anything at me. When we meet someone who's ugly, we say, we're going to kill them with kindness. Do good. They don't know any better. They need mercy. You thrive in an environment of people liking you. Especially when you're not being very nice. Don't wait on people to beg. That's good. That helps every marriage into place out right there. People are like, I'm going to tell you right now. Bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. And this my son was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he's found and they began to be merry. Now the older son was in the field and he came and he drew near the house and he heard music and dancing. And he called to one of the servants and says, what's all this noise? He says, your brother's coming and they've received him safe and sound. And your father killed the fatted calf and he's angry and he wouldn't go in. His father came out and pled with him and he said, Father, lo these many years I'm serving you. It's his farm. 
Why are you serving? You own the joint. That's right. But he's got a mindset. See, this is what happens to us. I'm serving God. You're a son. It's your kingdom. He already gave you in your inheritance. You already are seated at the right hand of God with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not a servant. You're a son. Start acting like you own the joint. And he comes out and he's mad. And, and, and now listen, I mean, the boy didn't live right. And the oldest one, perfect. Got no girlfriends on the side. He ain't been wasting anybody's money. Angry and wouldn't go in. He says, I never transgressed your companion any time and you never gave me a goat. It's his goat. Yeah. <laughs> Kill one when you want it. Yeah. All these name it, claim it, blah, it, grab it. It's my money. He gave the earth to Adam. It's my earth. They're my diamonds. Lisa thinks they're all the diamonds are hers. They're her diamonds. All the women go, they're my rubies. They're my sapphires. They're my pearls. They're mine. Come on, ladies. I'm helping you out right now. I mean, he didn't make them for the sinners. He made them for you. Amen. You have too many. Do you know they crush diamonds and turn them into dust to make saw blades? To keep the price up. It crushed diamonds. I don't believe it. Crushed a diamond. Was it, was it valuable? <laughs> Y'all, I'm doing good. Yeah. This is so much fun. Yeah. Never trained. You, you never gave me a goat so I can make merry with my friends. As soon as the son of yours. Oh, what an attitude. Not my brother's home. That son of yours. I ain't nothing to do with that guy. Who devoured your livelihood with harlots and killed the fatty calf for him. Son, you're always with me and all that I have is already yours. Wasn't it right that we make Mary and be glad your brother was dead in his life? Shouldn't we be happy? All right, I'm going to read. I'm going to read. Everybody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. For my next place of, of love. For my next place of love. Come on, now this, I'm, I'm preaching to me. And I'm letting you be a part of my sermon. Because everybody's already told me I need to start being nicer. You made me mad. Just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. The next ingredient is a very remarkable one, good temper. Love is not provoked. Everybody say amen. You can say oh me anytime you want to. Nothing could be more striking than to find it here. We're inclined to look upon bad temper as a harmless weakness. I did. I've never placed much, yeah, just a temper, just shut up. We speak of it as a mere infirmity of nature, a, a family 
failing. I'm Italian. <laughs> I'm Puerto Rican. What you think? A matter of temperament, not a thing to take a very serious account and esteem in a man's character. And yet, right in the heart of this analysis of love, we find a place. And the Bible again and again returns to condemn it as one of the most destructive elements in human nature. The peculiarity of an ill temper is that it is the vice of the virtuous. It is often the one blot on an otherwise noble character. You know men who are all but perfect and women who would be entirely perfect if it was not for an easily ruffled, quick-tempered, touchy disposition. Now, all you women, hold on before we start talking about your husband's anger problems. When's the last time you shut him down and didn't talk to him for three days? Touchy. Yes. I'm going to punish you. You told me something that was true, and I didn't want to hear it. Amen. Amen. I ain't talking to you. I ain't cooking no dinner either. You want to eat? Go to Taco Bell. Everybody is guilty. Yes. At some point, all of us have this. That's why I'm preaching it to us. We're going to be a loving church. We got to listen. This compatibility of ill temper and high moral character is the strangest, saddest problem of ethics. The truth is, there are two great classes of sins, the sin of the body and sin of the disposition. The prodigal son may be taken as a type of the first, the elder brother the second. Society has no doubt whatever which which is the worst. The brand falls without a challenge on the prodigal. But are we right? We have no balance to weigh that one another sins, coarser and finer, but to human words. But faults of the higher nature may be less venial than those of the lower. And the, to the eye of him who is love, a sin against love may seem a hundred times more base. No form of vice, nor worldliness, nor greed of gold, nor drunkenness itself does more to unchristianize society than an evil temper. That's powerful, isn't it? Right now, I want you to think about what's going on in America. Everybody's mad. Lisa and I were at Snowshoe, and we're standing outside in about 17 degrees. And this guy comes up and goes, put your mask on. (laughs) And I'm going, excuse me. And then we have a joke. Um, what do we call him? The Empire. The Empire. Darth Vader. The evil empire. The evil empire. We're the Republicans. <laughs> no, the Republic. I said it right. I mean, I mean, people are mean. I mean, do you want your business? Quit throwing people out of it. Be nice. Never mind. For the embittering life for breaking up communities and destroying the most sacred relationships, for devastating homes, withering up men and women and taking the bloom of childhood in short, for sheer gratuitous misery producing power, this influence stands alone. 
The elder brother, moral, hardworking, patient, dutiful. Let him get all the credit for his virtues. Look at this man. He's a baby sulking outside his father's door. Angry, wouldn't go in. Look at the effect he had on the father, the servants, the happiness of the guest, the judge, and judge the effects on even the prodigal. And how many prodigals are kept out of the kingdom by an unloving character of those who profess to be inside? I was listening, I was reading a book the other day by Kim Clement. When he got born again down in South Africa, and he walked in the church with long hair, and the church shunned him. Because he had long hair. The Christians kicked him out of the church until they got a haircut. Think about it. I mean, come on, guys. Let's think about this for a minute. How many of us have walked with God so long, we know we're better? We might mean. It is that the way Jesus acted. We're not going to do it right now, but did Jesus serve Is he God? Did he wash feet? Why don't we? Think about this for a minute. We got a lot of work to do. Easiest thing in the world is to point the finger. But wait a minute. We're the Christians. We're the ones that are close to God. We're the ones that are love. Supposed to be. This is good, isn't it? Now, let me tell you something. This starts at home. How many of you right now say, I think I have some work to do? (laughs) I've been working on this now for two weeks. I've had a couple failures. Not bad, not bad. I haven't. I will tell you something about fighting with people. You're already in an argument in your head before you get to the battlefield. Stop it here before it gets here. I don't know what in the world she thinks she's doing. I don't know what in the world they think. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to put up with that. Yeah, you are. Get your book out. <laughs> Go read it again. Mark Hankins told me the other day, he said, you're going to have to practice it. I went, Shandai. (laughs) And that's as far as I've gotten in the whole book. (laughs) No, it's not. I'm just, but I'm kind of keeping it with me. In varying proportion, also there are the ingredients of an ill temper, Judge if such sins of the disposition are not, are not worse to live in and for others to live with than the sins of the body. Did Christ indeed not answer the question for us? I say to you, the publicans and the harlots will make it in the kingdom before you. There is really no place in heaven for a disposition like this. A man with a, such a mood would make heaven miserable for everybody up there. Except he'd be born again. Thank, say, thank God that I'm born again. All right, now I'm, I'm basically done. How am I doing for time? Oh, I got six minutes. 
Go to Luke 18. Turn to page one. Is this good? I believe the Spirit of God is in this. I believe every one of us in this room would be better off if we were a lot more like Jesus. And here's the good news. I don't have to fix you. I tried. It's not easy to do. Washing Christians is like washing cats. Get an image. You don't wash cats. You'll be clawed to death. And since now I don't have to fix you, oh, thank you, Jesus. You don't have to fix everyone around you. You don't have to fix your spouse. I want to tell you this, they'll see it. And they'll go, hmm, and they changed. I think I will. Nothing prompts you to be more loving than to watch someone walk in love. People already know they're unworthy. The father, having mercy on his son, was the best thing he could have done for that boy. If he'd have got home and said, you're darn right, you sorry, good for nothing, dog. He'd have never won his son. But he forgave him freely. God forgave you 100%. And treats you like you've never done a thing wrong. Right. Prompting you yeah. to walk in love. Yeah. Luke 18. Verse 9. And he spoke a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went to the temple to pray. And one was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and prayed with himself. He's not talking to God. <laughs> God... I sure am glad I'm not like all the rest of the people in this church. Gossips, liars, thieves, and I'm glad I'm not like the pastor. Because we all know he's mean. And like that little hussy sitting back over there, that knowing good and well she ain't living right. I'm getting real close to home, huh? Or even the tax collector, I fast twice a week, I give tithes of everything I possess. The tax collector, tax collector was a Jew who went over to the side of the Rome and started taking taxes from the, from the people. In other words, we would call him a Democrat. We'd call him the left. This is actually Matthew, when he joined Jesus' team, was, was on the left. And Peter's going... What you got him for? <laughs> I'm not just preaching to you. I'm talking to myself and am I? The tax collector stood afar off and wouldn't even raise his eyes to heaven and he beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. Here's the good news and I'm going to leave you with this. The good news is the biggest problem you're having right now is in your mirror. You take care of that guy, and the rest of it will work out. 
Because there's a scripture in Romans 8 that if God is for you, you're going to find out that when God likes you, no one can stop you. Once God sees your heart is right, he'll lift you up. It doesn't matter whether everybody likes you or not. You can't give away what you don't have. If you'll let God love you, you will become loving. We love because he loves. Let him love you. Think this week about how good God is to you. Think this week about how much mercy he's had on you. Think about your sins are forgiven. Think about your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Think about how God is for me who could be against me. I promise you, you spend a few minutes thinking about how much God has been good to you. The next mean person gets around, you'll just grab him and give him a big hug. Your husband will come in and say something. You'll go, what do you want for dinner? He's going, what have you been doing? Well, I've been listening to Pastor Morgan preaching on love. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm just getting happier and happier. Don't ever forget it. We need to meditate on the goodness of God for us. Now, the world right now needs love. They're not reading their Bible. All they have to look at is us. If we're not showing it, they will never see it. Quite a challenge, isn't it? It might take us 20 years if Jesus doesn't come back. How many of y'all agree this is a noble thing to go for? I believe it is. Now, I'm not done yet. I want to, we're going to spend some time in here talking about this more. I, I, I want you to understand there's more in here than just being nice to people. A lot more in love. God wants to do such a work in you and I that people can actually see Jesus and the Holy Ghost actually flowing through you to people. When Jesus came to the earth, no good person was here. But yet when he prayed for the sick, they were all bad. And he prayed for them anyway. And he had mercy. I want you and I to start learning to extend mercy to people. When you see somebody not doing so good, learn to overlook the fault. Jack Hayford said something to me years ago. See them as they can become. The people in this church are born again. Sons of God. They love Jesus. We all have issues. Wouldn't it be nice if we all treated each other good? Wouldn't it be nice if we never gossiped? Wouldn't it be nice if we saw the best in each other? Would actually be nice to have a place like that to go. Are y'all game? You game? Now I got one more person I want you to start being nice to. Yourself. If God saw the value in you, I want you to see the value in you. You don't need to wait on someone to, to, to lift you up. He's already lifted you up. God loves 
you unconditionally as much as he loves Jesus Christ. That means you're a pretty valuable person. Start liking yourself. Treat yourself good. Receive his love. Let him pour love on you. Amen. Father God, I have done the best I could. I realize that I'm preaching a, out, of a, out of your word, out of the Bible. We're reading a story in the Bible. And all of us in this room, including myself, more, maybe more so me, have a lot of change, a lot of work to do. I have not arrived. I don't think there's a lot of us in here that have arrived. But it's good that we take off and head that way. Our homes need it. Our marriages need this. Our children need this. Our workplaces need this. The world right now needs to see a loving God in us. We're the only hope there is. That's why you left us here. Give us an opportunity this week to share Jesus with somebody. Give us an opportunity to do good to someone who maybe doesn't deserve it. Give us an opportunity this week to walk in the love that you've shown us today. And I pray that in this church, the people all over this building would pick up this mandate with me and say, let's become a church that's known for our love. And Father, if there's anybody in the room right now who's not born again, they're like the prodigal son, have mercy on them this morning as they come home and come back out of darkness. If they're listening by CD or they're watching online and they are in that boat, I pray, Father God, as they hit their knees and go, that's me, Father. Receive them back home, put a ring on their finger and a robe on their back and sandals on their feet, and we will welcome them with you back into the family of God. And we will not be like the older brother. We will not sulk. We realize that we were there one time ourselves. Papa God, we love you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for everybody in it. Give everybody that's here this morning a great week. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't think we have this book in our bookstore. You can get it online. And I'm going to say this in love. Some of you need it. <laughs> I'm out of here. Praise the Lord. We, we all need to say, I need that. Right? Amen. You know, the Bible says, for the Father himself loves you. People see God as like a wrathful God. Like he hasn't really changed his personality from the Old Testament. Well, he, he is still a God of wrath. He judges sin. But Jesus said, the Father God himself loves you because you love me. And you believed I came from him. Behold what manner of love God has bestowed on us so that he would even call us children of God. That's what 1 John says. And if you've never said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, you need to. Because there's a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Amen? Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is always death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And what we all need to understand is that, well, we believe this. Who made you? God made you. God made your bodies. God made your mind. He made every part of you. And so 1 John says, or John says, God is light. 
and in Him is no darkness at all. So if light and love made you and made your body, when you live in hate or you live in darkness or you live opposite from what God is, then your body and your mind treats it and your spirit as a foreign substance. It does not, your body doesn't understand hate. It wasn't created with hate. It was created in love. And it was created with light. So when you are opposed to love and light in any area of your life, your body and your mind, your whole triune being does not understand that foreign substance. Therefore, things start to break down in all three parts, mentally, physically, and spiritually. So if you're here this morning, you know, you want to receive the light and the love of God that created you, because that's how you will function properly and with joy and peace. So if my altar workers can come forward, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him today shall never perish, never die, but have everlasting life. You come forward and say, I want him today. I want to know not only am I going to heaven, but I want that light and that love of God to fill up my being. I want my body, my mind, my soul, my spirit to respond to Jesus the one who created me. And if you're here and you want prayer for any other reason, doesn't matter what it is, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll get get your answer to prayer. Amen? Because the verse I quoted to you first, there's a verse before that. Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father. Not me, whatever you ask, not me, Jesus, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Why? Because the Father himself loves you because you believe that I came forth from him. So he's going to give you whatever you want. Amen? You're his child. So if you've never done that, do it today. Don't walk out these doors. Your life is not guaranteed. Do it today. Make the decision today. Say, Jesus, be my Lord. Come into my heart. Thank you for dying for me. And so we want to take time to pray with you. Whoever needs prayer, If you're a guest here, thank you for coming. We have a gift for you out at the information booth. We've got shirts still on sale out there. We've got books. Praise the Lord. You have a great day. Please leave quietly until you get outside the doors so people can come up and they can receive prayer and their needs met. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text... 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.